baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. If we hope to survive in this digital age, we have to think critically about the messages we consume. Someone created those messages for a reason. Let's find out why. Sometimes we just have to ask, what the media? I'm Megan Lynch, and Edward R. Murrow and Gracie Award winner with Legacy Radio Station KMOX in St. Louis, Missouri. I'm joined by Julie Smith, author, instructor, public speaker, and our guide for how to be a savvy media consumer. In the first season of our podcast, we focused on dissecting messages. This season, transparency from the mouths of the content creators. Verification is the fundamental part of what we do. In this episode, show your work. We tell them where we got it. We put names on it. We put online, we can put documents, we can put video. We go to the newsroom of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, an award-winning daily newspaper founded by Joseph Pulitzer himself. It's gone beyond newsprint to an online presence. We're in the business of verifying information. We're not just throwing stuff out there. The man responsible for oversight of the Post-Dispatch and its digital portal, sdltoday.com, is editor Gilbert Bylone. Well, our mission is to serve our local community with solid, verified information that people can use in their lives and use to make decisions about their own lives, how they vote, how they participate in schools. The idea is that quality information that people want, with a local emphasis. Clearly, we cover news besides uh, local news, but our staff here in St. Louis is primarily focused on our local communities, and that's the focus that we believe is important because there's a lot of other media covering other things. We, want, we focus on the St. Louis metro area. So there are countless stories that happen every day. Walk us through what a meeting is like when you all decide what stories go on the front page. Well, there's a whole range of, of subjects. I think one is what we consider to be public interest is of importance. Is there impact on people's lives? Is it have something? Sometimes it could be just a really good, interesting story. Today we wrote about the heat at the Cardinals game. That was not the only thing. But what are people talking about? We try to tap into what people are interested in. But a lot of, particularly with print, because online is a different animal. There's a lot more points of entry than there is on the front page. But on the front page, we want to have a good local mix of news and information that's, that, that's pertinent that day. Uh, does it impact people is a real big part of that. Or people interested in this is a good story behind it, it's a good profile. Uh, clearly when you're doing things like COVID and, and, and crime and other, there's a public interest with that. But sometimes it's just a good local story of people doing good things or creating. We have today uh, uh, the new uh, F-15 that Boeing's creating, what's creating jobs. So that's of local interest that's on our front page. We also have other stories about politics and courts. So. How do you decide when you look at your newsroom and you look at those desks out there behind us, who's going to be covering a certain story? Well, a lot of it is, is uh, we have it organized. We call them beats in our business. Uh, you could be covering uh, the police beat or the crime beat or city hall or county, go uh, county council. 
um, politics. We have people in Jeff City covering the state legislature and government. So they're, they're more beat-oriented. Then we have others who are, are more generalists. They could be covering business news or they could be covering neighborhood news. They could be, they could be floating doing different things. So there's, it's, as our newsroom's not as big as it used to be, so there's more fluidity. So there, there are people, for example, our, you know, our, our food writer, Dan Neiman, sometimes works weekends. He covered a police shooting because we're more fluid with what we do, but that's not his normal job. So what we do is we try to make sure we have people available for the stories that break, you know, the, the breaking news, but also we try to find ways to get what we call enterprise, stories of depth that take more time, digging out data and graphics and information like that. So it's always a mix. It it's, depends on the day. Some day, do, uh, days are busier than others, but we're always looking at do we have a good mix of what we're trying to do so we're not just covering one topic or one type of uh, news. So you mentioned breaking news, <laughs> and yet your physical paper has to be put to bed at night. So explain to our listeners what it means to, quote, put the paper to bed and what time that usually happens. Uh, well, print is, is part of what we do, but, you know, we spend a lot of time, like today, online. We have a lot of things going on, so that's a big part of it. But for print, our late deadline is the late, late deadline is 1230 but typically we have most of it done by 11. Sports is usually our later, our later things, with, whether it's the Cardinals or the Blues, whoever's playing. But much of the news part will be done by about 11 o'clock. Uh, and so we, we, we have to make sure we get meet those deadlines. Online is a whole different animal. We can update through the night, in the morning, all day, weekends, nights. Very different animal as far as being you know, pertinent and, and urgent. And we, that's a big part of what we do. I think sometimes people think of newspapers and you think only the print. That is a significant part of what we do, but it's far more than that now. We do multimedia. We have video. We have podcasts. We have all kinds of things that we do that are only digital that don't appear in print because in that form. The stories may be similar, but we can do a lot more in online because the space is unlimited. We can do things like a video that we can't do in a, in a printed paper. So. And you can do breaking news in the morning even though the paper doesn't come out until the following day. So even though you put the paper to bed, the website never sleeps, right? Pretty much. I mean, we, probably the deep, deep nights maybe a little bit, <laughs> but it's not for very long. And plus we have help from our, our corporate uh, brethren that also helps us for big breaking stories that are of national, international news. So we try to be a complete website. We, we, we focus on local here, but we also want to make sure that people are well informed about national and international news because we're a metro newspaper. Gilbert, I remember when our station first got a website and we all kind of rolled our eyes and we thought, well, we'll see how long this lasts. Uh, You know, now, of course, it's integral to what we do and how we reach our our listeners and, and now just a new generation of people that are coming to only maybe the digital side. Do you see that for yourself here in the newspaper industry that um, they're really starting to balance themselves out or, or even maybe, you know, digital is surpassing some of the print side? I, I think as far as our efforts, digital is actually surpassing because you got to remember, these platforms are shared. So that story that you might see online at three o'clock could be also in your printed paper, may not be the exact same version, it may be shorter, could be longer, other things. So we're just worried about creating that content. Then we worry about how do we put it up. We want to get it up as quickly as we can. In some cases, we can add a lot of different elements to a, a, a digital 
format that we can't in print. So digital, is really, digital subscriptions are a really big part of the newspaper, and certainly here. People are subscribing. That means, and many of them are just digital subscribers. They don't get that print edition for various reasons. Some of it, they don't want it. It's easier for them. They can read it on their phone and their iPad. And those are, that's a growing part of our audience. People are used to streaming now. People are used to subscribing to all these different services. And one of those can be the newspaper if you want local news, because we have the biggest newsroom. We think we provide the most qualitative news across everything. News, features, sports, all everything that we do is all locally based. And so we believe that there's value with that. But our industry is changing. It's a dramatic change probably in the last five years. But really, if you go back when the internet started, it really began that process. So do you feel like the Post is not completely a newspaper anymore, but more of a content generating enterprise? Oh yes, it's a content, it's a media company. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, we do things on the business side that are different from just doing, selling the newspaper as far as you know, Amplified Digital and other things that are happening. So it's a much bigger company than that. I, I think what we're trying to do is serve people where they are. And people are used, they're mobile. They're out, they want things immediate. They want things quickly. They're used to social media. So that's a big part of how we change. We get, that's how it helps us get our information out quickly. But it's not all we do, but it is, we have to be reactive to that, whether people are on Facebook, Instagram, uh, TikTok, wherever they might be, people get news in different ways. And we want to make sure we're part of that because it's evolving and it'll continue to evolve. Not all of them are going to be what we consider our traditional newspaper readers, but those are the ones that we really do like because they're the ones who have been reading us for many years, and we're going to continue to serve them. We're not going to stop doing that. It's just a different format. Julie once asked me when we were talking about what we do in the radio newsroom, how many people would review a story that I do, for example, before it might go on the air. So I'm going to ask you that. When it comes to the stories that go both in print and online, what's that process for vetting that information, writing those headlines, and making sure it's all accurate? Well, verification is the fundamental part of what we do. And I think sometimes, how are, whether you want to call it legacy media or mainstream media, including KMOX and, and, and news stations in town, we're in the business of verifying information. We're not just throwing stuff out there. I think there's, because media is a very, very large term now, whether it's talk radio or social media or bloggers or people who are podcasting. It's very different from when I broke in the business. But how do we verify that? We have, it depends on the story and the complexity. Some things could go up fairly quickly uh, online, but they, everything gets it, edited at least by an editor, usually multiple editors. For print, we get another set of eyeballs or two, usually, because we have more time to do that. But if there's a breaking story, a big court ruling, we'll, we'll get that up very quickly, but it also gets edited and, and changed. The beauty of online is we can, we can evolve. We can have breaking stories. If there's, you know, we can add to them. We'll say, here's the initial uh, impact, the protest, the ruling, whatever it is, and then we update it through the day. We can't do that in print. That's more of a finite time frame. But through online, we can, and we tell people, this is what we knew at this time. This is what changed. We now know the name. Uh, we have this breaking story today about um, what's happening in Afghanistan. That's going to be a story that's going to update all through the night. And we'll tell people, this is what we know. Now we have more information. And that's an ability we didn't have probably 20 years ago. We were more print-oriented. We really couldn't do that. We were stuck to one cycle. That's not the case anymore. So many people have lost trust in the quote-unquote media, like you mentioned. (laughs) How has the Post responded to that with the misinformation and disinformation that flies online the way it does? Well, we've always been in the business of verification. We'll continue to do that. What we do and many other people who are newspapers and other news operations is show people our work. 
we tell them where we got it. We put names on it. We put online, we can put documents, we can put video, we can quote people, we can hear people talk, say it, where there's, you can judge for yourself about these first-hand documents. And this is an important part of what we do. We use a lot of the, the sunshine laws. That's an open records request where we can go to the city, the county, the court, wherever it might be, for so people can read documents themselves if there's a ruling. And I think that's an important, show our work is important that what we're doing. We do use, on a rare occasion, we will use anonymous sources. That's not the case in some place, like Washington is a very much an anonymous source place. We are not. We'll use them on occasion. But I sometimes think, well, anonymous means they don't exist. No, we know who they are, and we know they have verified information and access to that information. But we use it very reluctantly. We'd rather have things on the record so people can put the name on it or the institution or here, let me read the letter itself. That kind of information, I think, is the best way to convey trust. Now, is it under attack? You bet, from many circles, from not just us, many, many types of what I consider mainstream media are, yes. When it comes to the images that accompany the stories, you know, obviously you, you would have a photography staff here to do a lot of things, but has the demand for images gone up, especially on the digital side? You know, and how do you handle that as far as making sure that the images are authentic and truly reflect the story and don't do anything to skew the story. Yeah. Well, we have what's different. We have photographers, clearly, but we also have a lot of reporters who also do videos or take pictures as well because having a, a, an iPhone or, or, or some kind of a mobile phone is basically a camera that we can do those things. So we ask them to do that. If we can get it originally, we like to know because we, we can control that. If we have either from, when we get something from a wire service, those have been vetted. But usually as you're, what you're talking about is something that might be a handout or a video that somebody off the street says, here's what a crime happened in my neighborhood or this, I saw, I witnessed this. How do you verify that? We go through different ways. Sometimes you can, you can you know, ask them to show you how they got it. Can you verify that? Are there witnesses? Is there other aspects? But it's a, it's a tricky area because there's so much photo manipulation uh, and, and memes and fake stuff that's out there. We, we're very, very deliberate about that, about what we use. We don't randomly put stuff on our website or in our paper that we don't know where it came from. There are different ways to verify it, but it's tricky. Uh, social media particularly is very difficult because there's so much out there that we can't control. We don't just take something from Facebook and put it online. We just, we're not going to do that. It's, it's just too many trap doors with that. Because, you know, I, I mean, I remember that debate it, way back when in, you know, mass communication studies about how an image can dramatically impact how a reader perceives a story. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and you know, photo selection is always really important. And what is what is different now is online. Usually, almost all the time, we have some kind of an image with that. And so we debate that sometimes it's hard to get an image of a a court ruling or an individual that you may not have a picture of. But so we we are cognizant of that. And we want to make sure we we represent the right information with that and don't distort it. Um, but it is more of a challenge because it's more visual. I mean, not every story in print has a picture. But online, it, it, it will. In some form or fashion, it will. So, yeah. Right, because in media studies, we talk about how now we live in a very visual society as opposed to a literal society. And mm-hmm. clearly, you live that every day yeah. based on the stories that you put online versus the stories you actually put on the paper. Yeah. In radio, I pretty much write my own story leads. I do my own what we call teases, which are similar to a, a headline. 
but now that we've branched more into digital, I've got to rely on our digital folks to help craft those headlines sometimes. Mm -hmm. And it can lead to some interesting debates mm -hmm. about what we're going to put on there, what's going to get clicks versus what's going to be accurate to the story. Yeah. It, tell me about the process, the discussions that go on when it comes to crafting a headline for a reporter's story, both in print and online. Yeah, it's a little bit different with print and online, not entirely, but, but you, it starts with the reporter. There's always a suggested headline. And then usually an editor could be a digital editor or the, what we call line editor. That's an editor who does in Metro or sports who, that reads the copy and does all the different quality control. They'll put a headline on that as well. Um, but it usually starts with the reporter. And I think what we're trying to do is, are you reflecting the reality? We do want to make it interesting. We, for an online headline, we, we, we call it SEO, you know, search engine optimization. We want to, is it going to be, does it have enough specificity? So rather than to say a city in St. Louis did something, what's that city? Or is there a, a, a name that's familiar? Uh, so people will say, oh, I know that, or this is as familiar to me. It's not just a random kind of generic uh, name that I, might, uh, that I might miss otherwise. But also, do you capture the essence of that story? For print, we have more, a little bit more time. We have more people that do that. There's also constrictions, because if, in a one-column headline, you might have four words. So there's, it's a, online, you have a little bit more space, and you can, you can kind of do some things with decking and other things. But it's still, it's an art form. I mean, it's the, the, the good people who are really good at it are fantastic. But but it's not everybody's as good. It's, it's hard to do. I've taken my shots at it, and it's not an easy thing. To, but if we're doing it right, you're going to say, I want to stop and read this, whether I'm online or in print. I've noticed this on some national news websites. Is It seems sometimes like opinion, columns, analysis, and actual journalism get a little confused for the viewer when you go on to one of those websites. For people listening, describe for us the difference between a reporter and a columnist and then maybe pure opinion in your paper. Yeah, I think it's a, a real fundamental issue we have because there's been a blending with whether it's cable news or people who are bloggers or in our case, we have an editorial page, and we have, which is very clearly opinion, not just ours. We have you know, guest columns, we have syndicated columns, we have letter writers. We label that opinion. Also, our columnists like... Tony Messenger, David Nicholas, uh, Kevin McDermott on the editorial page, they're very clearly opinion. Now, I do run into readers who sometimes don't understand that they have an opinion. They say, this is biased journalism. Well, it is an opinion. That, now, it's rooted in, yeah, they make an argument with, based on some facts. They can differ with it, but those are opinion. It is more difficult for people to say, I think online has really become more difficult. It's not always... I mean, you're not going to see things labeled sometimes. I mean, especially when you talk about cable primetime people, those, that is really a different animal. Talk radio is a different animal. Whatever the right or left, it's a different beast from news. And so differentiating ourselves from that is important. You also understand the editorial page is not work closely with the, the news people. I mean, yeah, we're in the same newsroom, but there is... A wall. I mean, it's. I guess it's permeable in that we're in the same place, but we don't go to each other and say, "Hey, editorial page editor, you need to take a stance on that because I cover City Hall." We don't work that way. Um, we, we we just never have, and I know people don't believe it, but there is a wall that way. We do talk to each other occasionally on facts about what's going to happen. Is there going to be a ruling? So, you know, that kind of thing. Maybe trade us a name, a phone number, but that's not. We're not shaping opinion across news and and, and, and uh, the opinion side. So. So in the printed paper, the editorial page is clearly labeled, and on the website, it's tougher to do that. What advice do you have for people?
people who are on the website for them to identify news articles written by a reporter or a column that a column or an editorial well our editorials are always labeled editorial in fact our headlines will say editorial we make very clear with that if somebody has a column we call them a column sig, but a mugshot, basically, where they're a columnist. It could be, again, could be Tony Messenger. It could be our sports writers, you know, Ben, uh, ben Fredrickson or Ben Hockman. They are, they're writing opinion. They're not the beat writers there. They, they're going to have a voice. So that's the kind, or Aisha writes in features, uh, Aisha Sultan. So they are, you can designate that because when you go on our website, you'll see their picture. If I'm, for the most part, you won't see a lot of the news reporters' pictures on there unless it's an unusual circumstance. That might be one. But we, we label it on the, on the website. They don't, it'll say opinion. A columnist has an opinion. Sometimes they, they write more newsy. Sometimes they write about strictly their own opinion. But it's a, it's a different way of looking at it. I do see that, particularly on some of the national, you know, CNN and some others, we get things on our website that sometimes aren't clearly laid opinion. And we'll put on their opinion because we want people to know that this was not a news story from wherever we, the other source outside of our, our, our newsroom. So. At the end of the day, when you have put the paper to bed and you've done all you can on the website, when do you say this was a good news day or we've done our job today? I, I would value that as do we have a lot of quality, in-depth local news that day? The information that if the people couldn't get it elsewhere, they couldn't get the depth or the, the insights that we were able to add. Because there's a lot of other media in town. They do a good job. But what we try to do is add insight, perspective, background, and online, even more depth. So you can go read more. You can read that opinion that came out of the court. You can hear this for yourself. We think we're informing. I feel like we've informed people in a good quality way. We've done our jobs. And people, we want people to talk about what we're doing. Not necessarily, you know, to, to agree with everything, because trust me, my voicemail gets full. Uh, <laughs> but the idea is that are we pertinent to the people here about what's important? And even, even stories that are not, you know, earth-shattering, like the, are they going to close the, a, a, a lane on Lindell? That got a lot of traffic. People are interested in that by Forest Park. You know, we showed the map. We showed here's the, you know, there, people are interested in that. It's not always earth-shattering. And then just a good story. We have, you know, any, we have, we have a number of, of our news anchors, what we've done, uh, profiles in our features section in STL Live. gets a lot of traffic. People really like knowing behind the scenes, these people, what they do, and they have interesting lives. They've had sometimes difficult lives. That kind of depth, I think, is what we're trying to provide. So people feel like, I know my community a little bit better. I know people around here. Um, let's, let's face it, not everybody can go everywhere from, you know, Metro East to Wentzville. So we don't all, but we get can be better informed in a, about our neighborhoods and our communities through need, news media. And I think that's an important role for us because there, there is so much other noise out there. Can we do this in an authoritative, verified way? I think we're doing our job. Thank you to Gilbert Bylone, editor of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. I'm Megan Lynch with media literacy expert Julie Smith. What the Media is produced by Odyssey St. Louis from the studios of KMOX Radio in St. Louis, Missouri. Our executive producer is Beth Coglin. We invite you to visit KMOX.com for more on our media literacy project.
basketball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 